My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Hey, we're going to we're start this week's edition of the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. We have a, a pretty rad um, discussion piece today. We're going to be talking about the closing period on mm-hmm. our real estate transactions. An important part. I think it's an applicable discussion piece. A lot of people that uh, purchase and um, sell real estate, they, they probably don't. I mean, they probably know the significance that something major is happening on completion day. Mm-hmm. But I want to dive a little deeper and talk about kind of the nuts and bolts on what really takes place on that particular day, mm-hmm. what the expectations can look like, and um, maybe some minor mishaps that can happen on completion day. All good stuff to be aware of. Yeah. So we'll chat about that today. And uh, maybe I should do an intro here. <laughs> it's Parker from Royal LePage Westwind Realty and Mally J is in the podcast room here. At I'm here. The RLP Studios. It's true. <laughs> Ironically, this is actually called the closing room. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Which that, is a weird That's word. where we're recording today. Yeah. So um, it is January the 4th. It is my... 19th wedding anniversary today. Happy anniversary. Yeah, thanks. It's a pretty special, iconic day. Mm-hmm. What is 19 years? How do you celebrate 19 years? I think, uh, I don't know, maybe BP for dinner. <laughs> is that Boston pizza? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. We have kids, so it has to always be kid friendly. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, as someone earlier said today, plan for the 20th. Yeah, one year notice now. I'm going to have, I'm on notice. Yeah. It's going to have to be epic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. And with the new year, uh, happy new year. Thank you. Happy new year to you. We probably started with happy new year. There's, uh, you know, it's hard to be perfect. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, With the the significance of the new year for real estate agents here in BC is that we have the home buyer rescission period, which is now law. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it does deserve a, a quick nugget of discussion. Yeah, it's the latest thing to come into effect as of yesterday. I think the third. Yeah, yesterday was the first day. We had yeah. some, you know, notice last year, end of the year, that this was coming. So we we knew a little bit about it, but we've got a bit more concrete information now. So let's let's talk about the rescission period. This is a a, a three day window for a potential buyer to walk away from a transaction um, for reasons they don't need to disclose. Right. So if they have a change of heart, uh, they've reconsidered their decision, they have a three-day window from the date of acceptance, the day that the seller accepts their offer, Mm -hmm. minus Saturdays, Sundays, and holidays. Right. Statutory holidays. Um, They have a three-day window to back out of the transaction without any recourse. Well, I shouldn't say without any recourse. There is a tidbit of recourse. (laughs) 
a bit of a fee. <laughs> there is a bit of a fee. So there is a, a 0.25% um, of the accepted offer purchase price that they will have to pay the seller directly um, to get out of the transaction in that three-day window. Right. And that works out to be like 0.25% is kind of like, okay, what does that really mean? So on a million dollar offer is 2,500 bucks. Right. So $250 for every hundred thousand. Nice. (laughs) And to put that in perspective in Kamloops, median house price, probably somewhere in that neck of 750 K. It's not even two grand. It's just under two grand, 1,875 bucks. Mm -hmm. So that. So there's significance to this, right? Yeah. We have um, a deposit process in all offers, real estate transactions, that usually says one of two things. Um, The buyer will put X amount of dollars into trust as a deposit on good faith on the transaction. Um, And it will be paid within 24, 48, 72 hours, either after acceptance or after subject removal. Right. Nobody wants to see, as a seller, you, you want that money to be in the bank right away because that's the money you're going to draw your 0.25% from. Mm-hmm. So as a real estate agent, it's going to be a little tougher. We're going to have to nab these deposits ASAP. They're going to have to happen with, before three days is up. Oh, good point. Is that, does it have to be that way? It's just, I mean, a, it's a surefire way to get that rescission fee should an offer be rescinded. Right. So oh. let's say you don't do it. It's not the real estate agent's responsibility to uh, get that money out of the buyer and give it to the seller. So the seller is literally going to have to sue the buyer, at least the way I understand it at this point in time, for that money, should they not have it in trust. Right. If it's already in trust, then the deposit will be the portion that the seller will receive will be, de- will be deposited out of the remainder of the deposit. And then you'll, as a buyer, will get the remainder of the deposit. But if your deposit's not due in three days and you rescind in three days, then you haven't really paid your deposit yet. That's a really good point. It's going to be will tough be... to get that money. Yes. It's going to be more work. I think so. Um, are there advantages though to having a deposit after subjects come off? I guess that's, if if this deal collapses for other reasons. Yeah, less paperwork. Yeah. We don't have to put a check in and then take a check out. Right. There's a little more work in doing it mm-hmm. the other way, but we have fallen into that as a habit mm-hmm. because the deposit is really not vulnerable to the buyer until after they've removed condition. Mm-hmm. Because typically they have conditions, financing, whatever, right? Right. If you write a condition-free offer, you usually give that deposit right away. Seller wants the money in the deposit right away. Right. So. Interesting. Well, I think we'll, you know, it's only been in effect for one day. So we have. We haven't seen it. We haven't yet. <laughs> to do this yet. But I bet we'll, we'll gain some experience in that area. Yeah. I can. I'd like to just take a couple minutes to explain my thoughts on what could be weird mm-hmm. about this. If you, okay, I've been involved in other transactions before where I've represented the buyer and the buyer has legitimately just changed their mind about the property. Okay. okay. And typically they'll just either try and renegotiate some radical number for a 
roof that's probably not failing or some illegitimate issue with the house, or they'll just claim that they can't get financing. Ah. And that's a good way out because it's very rarely challenged. Right. But now if you, if you're inside of three days or let's say there's a long weekend in there and you're actually inside of six days, but you're still inside of the three legitimate days for rescind period Mm -hmm. and you change your mind because you can't get financing or something has come or something has arisen that you has now notified you that you're not going to be able to get this transaction done and you use financing to get out of that transaction or home inspection or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. I think the seller is going to say, no, 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 you probably just changed your mind. And how does, how do you even prove, yeah, that, that will open up an area of like having to prove something. You'll that- have to prove that you couldn't get financing or that the, I don't know how that's going to mm-hmm. work. That sounds like lawyers are going to get a little busy dealing with those circumstances. And what happens after the three-day period, the home, you know, home buyer's rescission period, when those three days have elapsed, deals can still collapse, as you're saying, for other reasons. Yeah, but you won't be, but, you won't be obligated to leave that 0.25% on the table for, for the seller. Hmm. This is supposed to be intended for changing your mind and multiple offers in a crazy market when you had to give a subject free offer. Yeah, this would have been helpful last year. It, it's not going to help <laughs> us very much moving forward in this market. This, yeah, this is an interesting time to, you know, the market's sure. it's January. It's not the same sort of frenzy as it, it definitely was. definitely frenzy. And it's hmm. definitely more work. Like the contract now, there's more legwork in there. You're going to have to calculate this. You're going to have to... Every time there's a counter offer, you're going to have to recalculate what mm-hmm. that looks like. And you're going to have to recalculate the rescind date. That's all going to be worded directly in the contract. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything to remove when that rescind period expires. It's just expired. If there's no notification given for rescinding, then literally you are just moving into the next phase of your contract. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. Like I'm, I'm, I don't feel that it's going to rectify anything that we had problems with in real estate, but, um, I don't know, maybe I should have taken it up with council a little bit more aggressively <laughs> myself, but regardless, well, it is the future. It is. And then the future is now. Future is now. <laughs> so let's, let's head into closing period. Um, on a real estate transaction, we define the closing period as the completion period. Um, actually, let me back that up. That's not, that's not entirely accurate. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to define completion first, okay? And then we'll add in closing to it. Mm-hmm. So the completion date of a real estate transaction is the date that the funds change hands, okay? It's not necessarily the date of possession, but I'll asterisk that. It can be. Right. So let's define closing. On your real estate contract, you write an offer to purchase a property and you have a completion date tentatively of January 18th. That's the completion date. Okay. In this scenario. In this scenario. And then you have a possession date of January 19th. And typically with that comes a time. So maybe it's noon. Sure. 11.59 a.m. January 19th is possession. 
And then you have an adjustment period, which also says adjustments for January 19th. So what do those three things mean is that on the completion date, the, the bank is going to fund the seller for the purchase of the property. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know at what point during the day that happens. It can happen at any time prior to land titles office closing. And they typically close at 4.30. Right. So the funds are transferred and essentially that happens through lawyers, mm-hmm. through certified check, certified funds. One lawyer the, that represents the buyer will fund to the seller the funds and then land titles will register that property into the new homeowner's name. Okay? Okay. And we call that registration. Registration. That's a realtor term for when you pull title now, the new name is on the title. Got it. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then what happens is, like I said before, that usually happens prior to 4.30, uh, in Kamloops anyways, it's 4.30 p.m. on a, on a work day, business yeah. day, Monday to Friday. And then the following day, usually at some point in time in the contract, you'll be written in there to take possession at a particular time. In this case, it's noon o'clock. So at noon, you're planning your entry to the home, meaning your realtor is going to locate keys and at noon, you're going to unlock the door and that baby is now yours. Right. Okay. The adjustment period is the date in which intermonth or interseasonal fees will adjust for. Mm-hmm. Um, the best example would be property tax. So in this scenario, January 18th, it completes. And January 19th is the adjustment period, meaning the seller should be paying for the first 19 days of the year for property tax. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that we pay property tax on July 1st every year. And so the new owner is tentatively going to pay for the entire year. And the seller will credit the buyer for those 19 days. And they, if, if we don't know exactly what the property taxes will be for that year, it's sort of estimated, and then the lawyers sort of deal with any shortfalls in that. Okay. So that's, that's how adjustment period works. The completion day is difficult to take possession on because we don't actually know when during that day it will complete. Mm-hmm. So there are contracts that are written that sort of say something like possession will take place upon registration. And that's something we commonly do. We, we will do that in a property that's a, a rental property because you're not, you don't really care when it, like when you actually take possession. Right. Cause you're not moving like you're in not yourself. Moving furniture. Yeah. Right. Or if it's a vacant home, it can be done that way fairly easy because you know, you can, the, the minute it registers, boom, you can just go get the keys and it's now your property. Right. Where the problems run into that is that if you're actually physically moving into a property and you've hired a mover, it's very difficult to set that mover in motion at the right particular time when you mm-hmm. don't know what it is. Therefore, we usually pick the next day um, to give some leeway in there for preparation that, yes, it did trans- it, the transaction happened. Mm-hmm. It's yours, and now you have like a couple hours to get organized and make your move. Makes sense. You can plan for it better. 
There, there are scenarios, though, where completion doesn't happen on the day it's supposed to happen. Okay. Hiccups. Hiccups. <laughs> Speed bumps. Yes. I, I can't tell you how common this is and how uncommon it is. It's like some years there's two or three of these transactions that I run into myself. And then there's other years where it's flawless and I never have an issue. But it is, it is something that definitely happens um, for good reason. Okay. Such as? These transactions are typically connected. And they can be a domino effect of 25 houses. Right? So you can imagine uh, John sells his house in Comox. And he buys a house in Vancouver from Martha. And Martha has now sold her house in Vancouver. And she's buying in Merritt. And so on and so forth. This yeah. can happen throughout the day yeah. several times. And so the money is shifting from lawyer to lawyer to lawyer to lawyer. Right. And it might, if you're in a big domino and you're at the end of a domino, you might not complete on the day you want to complete. It just might not happen. So even though it's in your contract, that's what ever, all parties have agreed on. Now it's, you know, this, it's out of your hands, domino effect. Yeah. What happens in that case? It's just, you have to just wait till it registers and complete. Usually there's a lot of drama that happens around the lawyers. They get, take a lot of calls and mm-hmm. they get a lot of heat for this. Realtors do. But in a lot of cases, it will happen fairly quickly in the next, the next day. Right. Which is why you don't want to complete at 9 a.m. the following day either. Because if it doesn't complete on that day, hopefully you've built in four or five hours for somebody to come to work the next day, realize that there's a serious issue and and correct it. Right. So buffer time is good in these moments. You need some buffer time. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, There can be some recourse. Like legitimately there is a contract and you're supposed to have purchased it on January 18th, whatever the funds are supposed to be there. If the funds were not there, there could be recourse I don't know in a scenario where the, that's ever happened for maybe like a day or half a day of problematic, you know, money transferring. Yeah. But I was involved into one transaction where it didn't complete for, for several, several days, like oh, four or five days. And there Ooh. was some recourse requested. I don't know if anything ever came of it because it's a lawyer issue now. Yeah. But it was a situation where uh, a fire had started in Kamloops and an insurance decided not to uh, insure, which is why you should check out our insurance podcast about when you, you should buy your insurance, especially in fire season. Very good. But this was neglected upon the buyer and mm-hmm. they didn't get their insurance until the day of completion. And what happened there was, is that there was a fire and insurance was not available. And so like a forest fire pandemonium yeah. ensued. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. So, I mean, there's so many other, tasks that are built into your possession day, <laughs> you know, moving. And it's and high stress. High stress. You're, yeah, that's, that's too bad. So best course of action is to not have completion and possession happen at the same time. <laughs> yeah, not to have them happen at the same time. Um, not to have your possession completion, sorry, not to have your completion on a Friday. Yeah. Or especially a Friday of a long weekend. Because if it doesn't happen, yeah. now you're waiting four days or three days or at least two days. That's a great tip. Hot tip. Yeah. Don't have your completion. Don't complete on a Friday. <laughs> on a Friday. It should never be a completion <laughs> on a Friday. The Friday, the land titles office on Friday should be just bored. Yeah. Like doing zilch. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing would be that 
you don't expect um, that if you take possession at noon the following day, that you hire the mover to be moving in at noon. Give it a day, or if you can, give it half a day, or give it some time. Um, Because anything weird can happen. Like, if there is a tenant, and they're supposed to be out on the first of the month, because it's in your contract, you get vacant possession. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the first of the month, the tenant is not out. That's a problem. Yeah. A buyer doesn't want to assume a tenant. And there's all kinds of recourse if he does. Like there's problems. He becomes a landlord when he wasn't supposed to. And he's Mm -hmm. even probably broken terms of his mortgage agreement because the mortgage is usually like primary residence, Uh, not not an investment property. Well, and and nobody wants a surprise roommate when you just bought your home. So you probably, in a scenario where you have a tenant, you probably don't want to complete on the first of the month, even Mm -hmm. though... You've probably made this transaction firm two plus months ago in order to be able to have the, the uh, seller give proper notice as per the residential tenancy agreement to get that tenant out. Right. Having it on the third or fourth is much better uh, because you could spy on the property on the second, third, and if the tenant is not out, you can get your lawyer to hold funds until the, the set, make the seller responsible for getting that tenant vacated from the premises. Mm-hmm. And tenants don't tend to leave the property in the best condition. Good point. Not not in every scenario, but there's more than 50%. They're at least not meeting expectations for cleanliness, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a good pro tip. Yeah. And I, cleanliness, I think, will come, like, even seller, a seller leaving their home, even if they're not a tenant, like... Cleanliness means different things to different people. They, they do. And I would say that this is a static statement. Sellers always assume they've done a better job than their expectations would be. Mm-hmm. And buyers always overestimate, overestimate how clean the cleanliness it would be. It would <laughs> yeah. Be. yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I've done transactions where literally I've seen both ends of those deals. You know, the, the seller is my buyer on a property. So they've left a property semi-messy and then they've complained moving into a property that's not as clean as they expected it. And they're like, I cleaned every aspect of the house before I left. And it's like, well, did maybe you? not the best. <laughs> yeah, not exactly the greatest Not very condition. well. So what is the expectation for cleanliness is a good discussion Point for buyers and sellers because my rule is always you've seen the property with furniture in it and the way that those people live and th- their cleanliness factor is going to model that's probably their best behavior mm-hmm. right when they're showing the property good point you know if you look underneath the couch and it's nasty it's going to there's going to be some cleanliness some, issues yeah so set your expectation to that um, and if you want to write into your contract that the seller uh, will have the properly property professionally cleaned, mm-hmm. that opens up a problem. Oh. Because the problem is, is how do you enforce that on completion day? If you possess the property on January 19th mm-hmm. and they've sold the property on January 18th, the seller's probably moving to another property the morning of the 19th. Yeah. So if a cleaner comes, they're probably coming on the 19th. Right. 
which doesn't leave a lot of time for that, you know, leeway. And what if the seller doesn't get it professionally clean? What it, what kind of recourse even is there at that point? You've already paid for the property. Yeah. It's already, so it's difficult to enforce. Like yeah. in some regions, like I know the lower mainland has a, you know, we get to visit the property. It's a pretty standard term in their contracts is that we get to visit the property two times before completion after subjects are removed. So in theory, three days before completion, they're popping in for a visit. Mm-hmm. That's not the day to check for cleanliness because they're probably moving out. Yeah. And they got muddy boots. It's winter. There's definitely snow boots. <laughs> it's just not the best time to gauge the level of cleanliness. Right. And it's pandemonium when you're moving out. Yeah. If you're doing a tight close. Yeah. Like if you're it's, moving out of one house. It's pretty messy. The morning of and expecting to move in midday on your new property. There's, that's, that's just not enough time to make that really smooth. Yeah. I give credit to most people that do it that it's pretty, I would say it's pretty, they've done a pretty good job historically. (laughs) Occasionally the ball gets dropped, but I'm always really impressed by how quickly stuff comes out and and the possession that happens. But I always pre-warn people that if this is the way that they live today and this is their best behavior for cleanliness. Yeah. This is Set your expectations. And there's nothing preventing a buyer from organizing their own professional cleaner to come 100%. in. 100%. That would be probably feel really good, actually, if you've got the means to take, and funds to do it. Take that into consideration mm-hmm. in your offer. Yeah, Rather than like saying, hey, you got to clean this property before yeah. we move in. Just assume that that fee is that price that, you know, it's coming out of the seller's pocket. But just Well, and like... What what I'm gathering too, it's like it's really a courtesy factor that you clean, even though there's no real recourse if you leave it in a state of uncleanliness, because it's hard to define from right. one person to the next what how clean is clean. But so, is there an industry standard that's like adhered to by anyone, or is it really truly open to interpretation? Yeah, I just think like if you really are not impressed by the way. That property looks when you move in. When you or when you view it. Yeah. Or you you you're gonna have to take recourse, mm-hmm. you know, through a lawyer. Um, I'll tell you what really happens. Yeah. Usually the lawyer the the realtors get stuck with the cleaning bill. Sure. <laughs> because they can solve this problem. They're making fairly good um, commissions on those properties. Mm-hmm. And I just assume that, you know, one in ten, I'm gonna have to buck up for a cleaner somewhere. So yeah, the problem is is that organizing a cleaner is not that easy either to say like, hey, at this time, at this day, I need you in here. This is a move out clean. Mm-hmm. And they get there and literally the, the furniture is being carried out. Right. They're it's... trying to mop the floor and clean the stove. It's Right. It's a, it would be like in a busy, bigger municipality, I would expect there's cleaners that specialize in, in the real estate transaction. Mm-hmm. Come in with a mob of people. Yeah, just get it just done. Just go it. a blitz, cleaning yeah. blitz. But I think in the amount of transactions that regularly occur here, I don't know if that would be a full industry or not. Mm-hmm. But, but well, and I guess it is truly about like what you're willing to take on as, let's say, as a buyer in that scenario. Like, if you've probably either already planned to clean it yourself before you start moving things, yeah. or are 
Yeah, there's an opportunity for you to like exert your own will. <laughs> yeah, totally. But for a seller who thinks they did a good job and, you know, they had the best of intentions and they didn't really meet the criteria according to the buyer, like that's just a gap. There's yeah, really, yeah, totally. not much to be done there. I mean, with good real estate agents that respect each other as agents, mm-hmm. ideally completion day should be a visit from both agents at the same time. Mm-hmm. Two agents walk through the house together. They open the fridge, they look in yeah. the freezer, they both give the Run head Run a nod. finger on the blinds. This is acceptable, <laughs> or it's not. Yeah. And then solve the problem right then and there before mm-hmm. the buyer shows up with, um, there's a lot of emotion going on in that day. Oh, yeah. Big and money, big life changes, a lot of, of up- upheaval. Yeah. It's, yeah, chaotic To throw another time. five or six hundred bucks at a clean, like, mm-hmm. it's disheartening when you move in. You know? Yeah. But... But it's enough, you know, it's, it's kind of part of the process. Setting the expectations is probably the most important thing. Yeah, good yeah. point. One other thing I got noted here that I should just, that I like to discuss, because this is also something that gets forgotten sometimes, is which day should I have my insurance go on a property? And Great this question. Is super important because in the contract it says that the standard contract reads this the seller is responsible for everything on that property um, till midnight on completion day. So at 1.30 a.m. on completion day, land titles is not open. There's no lawyers in any office. No money has transferred hands yet. You technically don't own that property yet. Mm-hmm. But at some point during that day, you will legally own it. But you are already responsible for it as a buyer. So you need to make sure that your insurance goes on on completion day and not possession day. Right. Because if something should happen to that property, a tree falls on it. Um, the mover breaks a window. Yeah. You know, the responsibility falls on the seller till that time, till midnight. So I I think that's important. That's a really good tip, actually. I'm writing it down. (laughs) And then like, obviously in the uh, fire season, you know, organizing your insurance like 30 days in advance is the ideal way to do it because... You, you can only usually get, uh, like, you can only pay for your insurance. Like, it's static. It's going to happen mm-hmm. 30 days out. Prior to 30 days, they usually will just give you a quote, say, yeah, we would approve insurance here, but we would reevaluate this, you know, 30 days out to make sure that an earthquake didn't happen, a flood, a fire, you know, something yeah. that's out of the hands of, of uh, the insurance company's hands. Mm-hmm. So, um. Yeah. It's a complicated business. I mean, we I'm glad we're talking about this the sort of back half of the deal because it is really all the razzle dazzle happens up front. You're viewing properties, you're talk, you know, making your offers. That's really like an exciting part and that's like entering into the process. And then there can be like a really a couple months wait time between yeah, an accepted totally. offer and then a completion date. So I mean, sometimes they're a lot closer together, but um, this is a good, good topic to to put a little focus on the back end of of the deal because that really is like totally the nuts and bolts. Like you're actually moving your yeah moving potentially or whatever your purpose is for the property. But I think my mm-hmm. sister just sold a house. I believe it was. She'll probably correct me. I know she listens. <laughs> um, in like November, she mm-hmm. sold her house. And she's not taking 
She's not moving out until March. Oh, that's a fairly long that's a window. That's a long close, yeah. That's a long duration. Would you say the typical, you know, offer, accepted offer to completion is maybe closer to two months? Um, I would say average over 30 days for sure. Okay. I would say outside of two months seems a bit long, mm-hmm. but not out of the ordinary. Yeah. There's no real standard. You can't, it can't happen. When, when you remove conditions, usually lawyers, banks, uh, you know, notaries, whatever, they need like 10 business days at the minimum to complete. And that's, that's a, what would be considered a really quick close. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, you know, I would say 30 to 60 days is probably normal. Mm-hmm. And I would say outside of 60, 90 days, that's, that's long. That's a <laughs> Leisurely. Long close. But if, if it's agreed upon, who cares? It, it, yeah. It's you know. got to work for both parties. And there is, yeah, a lot, a lot going on around, you know, the tasks that the buyer or seller have to complete. Yeah, there's lawyers, insurance, and all of these move, moving Canceling pieces. Hydro and TELUS and yeah. security and all Good that kind point. of stuff. Yeah, that booking your to... mover. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of details, but people do it all the time. <laughs> it, it does happen every day. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, coming back around to let your realtor help you through, you know, ask all the questions. If yeah. you like, if you're not sure ask, because like, obviously the realtor's seen this happen a thousand times. So yeah, and even like you're, don't be shy. There's a lot going on. So yeah. when I tell you like, don't book your mover for this day and then, you know, a month goes by and you book your mover for that day. And then the day before, I just assume you remembered and then you didn't. And I'm like, uh, your mover's, at the door, but you don't even own it yet. Yeah. You're going to need to hold off completion mm-hmm. of possession. Did we talk about this? <laughs> yeah. Let's reevaluate. That's just, you know, that's something to touch on every, uh, you know, every few weeks while you're waiting for possession. Anyways, that was a, a chat about closing and completion. Yeah. Did we, did we touch on all of the things? I think so. Moving in and out. So can I ask about key? Like, yeah, I, like the key sort of changes hands and that happens typically through the realtor. Like it's not really ever a, like I sort of have this imagined version of like a seller dropping keys into the hand of a buyer, like this perfect picture moment. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that's not really what happens. Holding the sold sign. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would like to say that this, the, it's not a written rule, but I definitely believe it's changed because I've purchased a few homes, you know, over 10 years ago where you would just go to the real estate office and pick up the key on mm-hmm. possession day. Like the realtor was just done with you. Like, <laughs> We're, I'm, I'm done. The relationship is over. Goodbye. Have a great day. <laughs> I, I know that I'm not the only realtor who does this, but I typically like to be there on completion day mm-hmm. or possession day. Sorry. Actually both days. Yeah. If For I what can, purpose? Uh, like I know, like but. completion day, I want to make sure that the house is in acceptable condition. Yeah. I want to make sure there's no surprises. Mm-hmm. And then on uh, possession day, I love the smiles. I want to see the key turn. I want to enjoy that moment, even if it's just like I just want a piece. I know it's like a family moment, or it's yeah. like a couple, you know, like they're doing their thing. But I just want to taste it. 
<laughs> just I want a little bit of it, right? <laughs> yeah. But you're not there to move boxes. You're just I'm there to like there smile to at them and yeah. then leave. <laughs> Usually a smile. And then once I see those, the trunk open, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> see ya. Best of luck with your moving. Yeah. Nah, I feel like you would be helpful if they asked you to. Maybe not the whole day. Um, and then, so where does that, when when is the end of closing? Like what is the final stage of the closing chapter of a transaction like so when is the end the end financially is when it registers like Mm -hmm. upon registration the lawyer will notify the real estate agent that this transaction is now complete okay and then upon that registration like logistically there's still funds to move but Mm -hmm. they're in transit like everything is on pace Mm -hmm. um once those funds have been received and that's it. That the keys are usually like organized beforehand to like the selling agent is saying, okay, listen, um, where are the keys? Yeah. <laughs> and the listing agent says, they're at my office. You can pick them up when I give you the nod. Mm-hmm. And then when registration happens, you're like, you're running out to get the keys. And then if it's possession the next morning or whatever, it's nice for the realtor to go through prior to that and make sure that, you know, everything's good. Mm-hmm. And then just meet whenever the buyer takes possession. Usually they're there on the clock, right? Yeah. And, Excited. Uh, yeah. You know, that's when you high five and, and the sold sign photos and all that and move in and champagne and then you just out and then. And I suppose barring any issues or surprises, then that, that might there's always drag on a detail or two, but it's like they own it at that point. They own it at that okay. point. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's always something like yeah. there's, you know, sometimes it's a, uh, it's a like a broken window or, or like a hose a, that's not working, you know, mm-hmm. it's because it's shut off in the winter mm-hmm. and it never got turned back on or whatever, you know, there's always a couple little things. Yeah. But I like to go through the, you know, the whole water shut off, gas shut off thing. Mm-hmm. Moving in. If your home inspector didn't do that or you didn't get a chance, an opportunity to see all those. Like where is the water main? Yeah. How do I mechanically work this house? <laughs> how do I, how do I divert disaster upon a, a, a water leak? Yeah. It's a big one. And I guess, um, I know we've said this in other podcasts, but, and I just said it a few minutes ago, but like, if you finish your transaction as a client and something comes up, like call your realtor that, you know, yeah. or, or is that like, or are you done with people at that point? No, I mean, like, <laughs> my motto is that I'm your home consultant for life. So you can call me 10 years after and say, mm-hmm. Hey, like, who do I call for a roof quote? Right. I, I would rather just help you give you any sort of expertise or mm-hmm. point you in the right direction. If there's or, a company that's been legitimately bad for a decade, please don't call these guys. Right. You're probably not going to enjoy the process. Yeah. But if I have that info, why not share it? And why not give you mm-hmm. a little bit of assistance? I don't mind. I, I love that stuff. So it doesn't it's like <laughs> you, just you do interesting to me. Well, and I, I think that probably brings you know, some peace of mind because there are some people as I think in one of our last podcasts, we identified that someone would move up to 11, an average of 11 times. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean they buy 11 houses because you might rent or whatever. But rent. some people have been through this process enough times where they're really familiar with the rhythm of possession and closing and like none yeah. of this is a surprise. But for the first time, home buyer or what have you, like, it is mysterious from the outside. I can tell you for certain that avid buyers still don't maybe have it all dialed in perfectly every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's completed. Great. Can we take possession early? No. No. Contract says. Yeah. yeah. 
if we get it okay, sure, if they're out, but if they're mm-hmm. still in there moving stuff, yeah. It's there's it, there's some little things that you gotta And every deal is different in its every own deal is different. way. Every seller is different, every transaction is different, mm-hmm. expectations are always different. You don't know who the other agent is on the other end that mm-hmm. may not be setting the expectation correctly. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a horror story this year that we had where the sellers oh my goodness, now I think about it, there was two. <laughs> there was two this year where Sellers just didn't move out. They got they got On funded, the but they just did not move mm-hmm. out of the home for uh, one was four days, mm-hmm. and the other one was longer. Where it was just a matter of like poor planning, poorly timed. I don't think there was thing. any planning. Okay, yeah, it was not <laughs> just well no executed. Planning. Just hopefully it'll just happen, mm-hmm. right? Just the blowing by the the breeze of the leaves. Yeah, when it's. So you have to deal with those. And those were, the, in one of those cases, there was financial recourse. Mm-hmm. Excessively, like $15,000, $20,000 worth of recourse. Yeah. But pretty significant. Yeah. Um, the other one, I think, was more of a, I think we were just glad to get possession. And so it just yeah. happened. So, without giving too many details. That's true. That for out. legal reasons. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. So like the the parts of the transactions are generally kind of all the. There's some standards, but there's a lot of variability there. And I would love a call a week later. I always tell people this, and normally I don't get it, but I would love a call a week later to say, to give me peace of mind, hey, everything seems to be working out good. Great. Yeah. Everything's good. You know, like yeah. the taps and, and faucets and the shower mm-hmm. and hot the water's furnace, great. No issue. Yeah. Um, and if there is an issue, obviously call me because lots of times we can solve them quickly. Mm hmm. Yeah, anyways, right that's, the, that's the close. Should we close this podcast? Let's close closing. the closing period <laughs> in the closing room. Okay, thank you for joining us this week. And uh, I hope I delivered some great value, some good content upon this real estate podcast. And I look forward to giving you more valuable content next week. Thank you for joining us. Bye.